It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Welcome to the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm Molly Gamble, Vice President Editorial Becker's and your host for today's interview with Melissa Adkins. Melissa is CEO of U of Louisville Health, Mary and Elizabeth and Peace Hospital. She joined the system in January 2020, which was an interesting time for any career move in healthcare, weeks before the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. Melissa, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Great. Well, I just shared a very, very brief intro for you, Melissa. Can you share a bit more about yourself, your career, and your organization for a moment? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I work for University of Louisville Health. Uh, it's a fairly new organization, came together at the end of 2019, and uh, we have six hospitals, and we have four medical centers, and, and we're just continuing to grow. And my, I actually, I have oversight. I'm the CEO of Mary Elizabeth Hospital and have oversight over Peace Hospital, and then they're building a new hospital in South uh, Louisville in Bullitt County, and I have oversight over that one, too. Um, and as far as my background goes, I, as you said, I'm a nurse, but the funny thing, I started as a, uh, my career as a cosmetologist, even though I wanted to be a nurse and then switched, switched gears after I had two of my three kids, became a, an RN, uh, decided I wanted to be a CRNA and uh, went to get my BSN. And in short, my husband had a career change, so I decided to make a turn and I did an MBA and then actually completed my uh, executive juris doctor a little over a year ago in healthcare law. And so, and then my background, as far as my personal life, I'm the mother of three daughters. I've got two grandchildren, a grandson, a granddaughter, and I've been married for 30 years. So wow. that's, I, I have so much admiration, Melissa, for anyone at any point in their life that makes a career change as stark and as contrasting as the one you just described to start off as a cosmetologist and now to be a CEO overseeing two, soon to be three hospitals. That just takes a lot of work. And I also think it's very brave. Uh, well, well, thank you. You know, I've had a lot of support with my family and, and a lot of mentors over the years and including the one I'm working for right now. Um, you know, and I think, I think I really, I mean, I started as a ward clerk Kelly tech in the ICU and then became an ICU staff nurse, you know, cross-trained in the ED radiology, cardiology, cath lab, endo, PACU, house supervisor roles. And I've been a, you know, a preceptor, a charge nurse, an educator, an ICU manager, a director of critical care services over to ED and ICU, and then a chief nursing officer, and then, you know, and then a CEO. And, and um, there's hardly a place I haven't touched in healthcare, but uh, I think it's helped mold me into you know, what I'm doing today. And, and, and I really do think I have a better understanding and appreciation for, you know, all the roles in the hospital. I'm sure a better understanding, I imagine, to a more empathetic leader, when you can understand how important each of those roles is to the, the greater system. Yes. You had mentioned that the system is building a new hospital. Can you share a bit more 
about its expected opening date, its timeline. It's also been really challenging for systems to construct new facilities the past few years with all the challenges in the supply chain and such. So any other context you can share on the, the new development, Melissa? Oh, absolutely. Um, so it is, it is a hospital that's being built in Bullock County. So it is uh, south of Louisville. It's a, it's a county that's one of the fastest growing counties in Kentucky, if not the fastest. Um, but one thing they lack is uh, access to care. So they didn't have a hospital there. And right now there is a medical center uh, that UofL Health owns. It has a freestanding ED and ORs, but it doesn't have any inpatient beds. So, you know, the goal of that community and of UofL Health was to uh, finish what was started there. And so they're right now they're going to build, and it's in the process, a 40-bed hospital with plans to quickly, you know, move to 60 beds and then, you know, hopefully uh, even move bigger and beyond that as the hospital continues to grow. And, and it had, we have seen some uh, issues with supply chain uh, during the construction and inflation, but, but uh, we've got a great team and, and they're overcoming it. And it is actually on schedule to be opened, I think, by the end of March. Oh, wow. That's great. That's great. Well, you mentioned, Sue, you, you have a rich background as a nurse, a former CNO, a, a nurse by background. You walked us through the various tasks you've worn over the years. And I think, Melissa, one could fairly title the past few years in healthcare as the years of the nurse. The industry has, has withstood so many disruptions to the nursing workforce. It's gained renewed awareness of just how important nurses are in terms of healthcare access and outcomes. Can you share what has stood out to you the most as a nurse yourself throughout this really interesting chapter of healthcare? Oh, absolutely. I, I think first, I just want to reiterate how um, glad I am that nurses have been recognized and everyone sees how truly important they are to healthcare. Um, they've always been important and they've always played an integral role in the healthcare delivery model, but uh, it's really been highlighted during the pandemic and you know, I can tell you as a CEO, I can see how important all of our healthcare workforce is. Um, you know, quality care cannot be provided without our nurses, providers, you know, our supply chain, our radiology, our lab, diagnostics, our registrars, unit clerks, you name it. I mean, really, it takes everybody to provide, you know, quality care. And, um, and I think that's important. I, you know, I think one of my biggest takeaways really surround the economic impact that the hospitals and healthcare in general, you know, have undergone during this time. I mean, the pandemic itself was unprecedented. Nobody had ever been through that. And the cost of labor for the healthcare workforce has, you know, had a devastating impact for many hospitals. But I think mostly the, the rural community hospitals, you know, who couldn't sustain those costs or, you know, that's associated with labor, not just labor, the supply chain, as, as we've been talking about. And, so a lot of those hospitals, sadly, they've either closed or they are closing their doors or closing services as a result. And, you know, and I think what's sad is that it's just created more gaps and inequities in healthcare, and really highlighted that. And, you know, it's an already stressed environment, and I think it's going to take years to recover from. But, you know, in looking at a positive side, I think, you know, being creative and, and thinking outside the box, I think that's what's necessary to overcome this 
creating, you know, some of the things that we did, you know, creating internal float pools and other hospitals have done, nursing agencies, you know, creating flexible shifts for people who maybe not are able to do an entire 12-hour shift anymore. You know, working with international staffing agencies for all disciplines, not not only nursing, but for other disciplines as well, they do offer that. You know, reward reward and recognition, I think, tuition programs, you know, where you can grow your own programs. We started some of those. And, and I think most importantly is celebrating our employees. And I think it's going to be extremely important for the future growth and survival. I really think that silver lining you just touched on is so important in that the way nurses work, if left untouched or uninterfered with, could have probably persisted in a pretty traditional sense for a long, long time. But mm-hmm. like you said, the, the pandemic really forced organizations to modernize the way that nurses are employed, give them more options, more flexibility, which can be really tricky in a setting where you need to, to be in person for in-person care. So I think there were so many limitations organizations had to get creative around. Yes, absolutely. And I, I think that's what it's going to take from here on out, really. You, you had mentioned, too, earlier, Melissa, about the health inequities that COVID-19 exacerbated. And let's, I wanted to spend some time talking about the most urgent health needs among your patient population that's served by U of L Health. How, is your hospital, how are your hospitals, plural, aiming to, to meet those needs? And what are those needs, the ones that you see as the greatest priority and, and perhaps have even gained more urgency over the past couple of years? You know, I think number one is really, you know, mental illness, behavioral health. Uh, That's really been exacerbated by the pandemic. And, you know, Peace Hospital is one of the largest behavioral health hospitals in our country. And and they have been for a long time. And they do many wonderful things over there. Andrea, who is the CEO of that hospital and her team, have done amazing things. And they're going to continue to do that and, and grow their hospital because of, of the increased awareness and increase in uh, the mental health population. You know, at Mary and Elizabeth, we're working on putting in a 33-bed medical behavioral health unit. And the reason that's so important and, you know, and I've discussed in a previous podcast is that because traditional behavioral health hospitals are not, you know, set up for anything medical. And so, Behavioral health patients also get physically ill, and so it's very important to have these types of units so we can take care of their mental and physical until they can be sent to a a traditional behavioral health hospital. We just want to make sure they get what they need from the beginning, and I I think you're only going to see more of these probably pop up in the future just because of the the increased awareness and the increase in the behavioral health population that has occurred as a result of, you know, the isolation that occurred from the pandemic and the fear. That seems so common sense. Melissa, to have, I'm thinking of a Venn diagram, and we're in one circle, you have a acute care hospital, another circle, Mm -hmm. behavioral hospital, and it sounds like this 33-bed medical behavioral health unit is really in in the center um, where they both overlap. Can you share a bit more about some of the patient cases or who... I guess some, do some storytelling, if you will, around why this care setting is so needed and makes so much sense. Well, I, I think that the reason it is needed is because these patients that have mental illness, when they become physically ill, they go to the acute care hospitals 
they go to their EDs and they can't get into traditional behavioral health hospitals because because they're physically ill until they're completely stable. They can't go to a traditional hospital or behavioral health hospital. And so if we don't have these, then they either sit in the EDs at, at the respective hospitals. When they get sent to the floors, they are getting treatment for their physical illness, but they do not get the proper treatment for their mental illness. And by providing a medical behavioral health unit, we're able to provide both and give them what they need. So we don't, we don't let one, you know, piece of it fall through the cracks and they can truly recover both mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. So mental health, I mean, emerging is just such an important need and especially too with children, as we've heard so much about over the past few years, in addition to adults, yes. I, I wanted to talk about what health needs, and it might be mental or behavioral health, it might be others, but what are you seeing that you expect will really require the greatest collaboration with the surrounding Louisville community? What, what challenges are just too vast or complicated for health systems alone right now? You know, I, I really think, and, and not to reiterate it, but, you know, mental health and homelessness, uh, they're, they're going to require the greatest collaboration. Uh, both of them has been exacerbated uh, during the pandemic and ha- have increased. And since many of the homeless are also mentally ill, it's going to take all of us working together to make a positive change in that environment. It affects all of us. It's, it's not just healthcare, And um, that's going to take a lot of collaboration and working together. And Melissa, I think too with homelessness, sometimes that is really seen as such an urban issue, an urban plight or problem. Is mm-hmm. it showing up in more rural settings of your market? I, I'm actually located in the city. And so I see that uh, quite frequently, but um, I can't really speak to the rural parts of the market, but um, I can tell you that inside the city, it's only increasing. Yeah, I think we, we've seen, you know, seen the same in, in other major urban areas too. So mm-hmm. Louisville shares a big challenge in that. Yeah. Well, so this has been insightful and enlightening. What haven't we touched on that we'd be remiss not to mention? You know, there's a couple of things. When, when I talked about earlier about, you know, some of our MERS, most urgent healthcare needs. One of the things, uh, you know, in the south, southwest, you know, west market of Louisville was also uh, women's healthcare. And so I do want to point out that this is something that my team and I have been working on uh, since I arrived here in 2020. And our metro government, you know, for the city of Louisville as well, UofL Health has gotten behind this for us. And you know, in turn, uh, the city the metro government has donated $8.25 million towards a $20 million project here at Mary and Elizabeth. And then UofL Health is providing the rest of the $11.75 million to make sure that families have access to uh, prenatal care and a birthing center in uh, this underserved community. So I find that to be amazing that, you know, this, that that's one of the things that the city and, um, you know, and healthcare have worked together uh, to, to close those gaps and inequities in healthcare. And with this birding center, we're going to do that. So really excited about doing that. And then 
as far as the things that we haven't touched on, um, I think, you know, I think talking about the importance of preventative medicine and routine screenings are important to keep our communities healthy and, and stronger. You know, and when I say that, not just physical, we've talked about mental health too. And in the pandemic, what we saw is people feared the unknown and rightly so, but what, what occurred was that people who would have come into the hospital sooner waited out of fear of contracting the virus and then subsequently became sicker. And sometimes they waited too long. And so, and it also made them feel more isolated because they were scared to get out, which contributed to the increased mental health needs. And so I think meeting the patients where they are either by mobile units or telemedicine is a positive that came out of this pandemic. I think it's got patients get the help they need sooner with the area being exposed. So I think that's extremely important. Some big investments for women's health in the Louisville area, which is so yeah. important given more maternity care deserts especially show up every year. I, I know in the most recent March of Dimes report, Melissa, it looks like your neighbor, Ohio, had the most women impacted by overall reductions in access to care. Um, there have been more and more counties that have less maternity care access over the past couple of years, which is really disturbing. Um, so it's just great to hear that in partnership with the local government that your system is looking to address that head on. Yes, absolutely. I, I can't tell you how proud I am that we're going to be able to do this for the families in our communities. It's just unbelievable. And then too, like you said, a, a return to patienthood that still hasn't been achieved even as we reach these really positive mile markers with COVID-19 with the public health emergency winding down and ending the World Health Organization declaring the emergency pandemic phase over, but there's still a lot of patient behaviors that have not normalized or gotten back to pre-2020 norms and rates. So I'm really glad you mentioned that too. Uh, well, thank you. Well, Melissa, I, I wanna thank you for your time, for your thought, for all the great work you're doing at your organization in, in Louisville. Um, and thanks for being my guest in the Becker's Healthcare Podcast today. Uh, well, well, thank you, and I, I really appreciate it. And I will tell you, everything that we do um, takes a team, and um, and so I'm very appreciative of everyone that I work with as well.